0: open the door and step inside to a world of practical magic where we blend the mystical and mundane worlds of the everyday witch presented by wise woman witchery and hosted by emily morrison and veronica wade lewis hey everyone emily from the witch next door this week's podcast is a little bit different. I'm going to be sharing with you an interview that I did with male Brigda, who's a devotee of the goddess and the saint Bridget. So we got to have a lovely chat where I learned a little bit more about the history of both of these beings and the places where they converge and differ uh, or diverge, I guess. Anyway, I'm thrilled to be able to share this with you. And as with so many of my podcasts, this is unedited. So it comes to you pure and clear and uh, exactly as it transpired. Enjoy. All right. On this week on The Witch Next Door, we are going to be talking to Mel Brigda, who is a devotee of Bridget since 1980s. She founded the Daughters of the Flame in 1993 and lit their first flame on in bulk of that year. She's maintained two blogs about Bridget. Uh, One of them is called Bridget's Sparkling Flame, and the other is Stone on the Belly. And she's been maintaining these for quite some time. So she's going to talk to us today about Bridget and about the work that she's doing uh, and hopefully shine a little bit of light on on Bridget's past and her path and and Mel's relationship with her. And perhaps you might learn a thing or two as well. So welcome, (laughs) Mel. Uh, Also, just to mention here, uh, Mail has, in fact, written a book, and that is coming out in the UK on August 27th and in the US on September 1st. It is called A Bridget of Ireland Devotional, Sun Among the Stars. Welcome. Hi. Hi.
1: (laughs) I was afraid I was muted, but I wasn't. No, you're
0: here. (laughs) We're here. Welcome to you.
1: Hello,
0: Emily. So, I'm so glad that you've come to talk with us today about Bridget. I know that uh, for myself, my associations with Bridget, I, I learned about her through through Inbulk and, um, you know, going to public rituals and hearing actually Inbulk referred to as Bridget. Uh, as her day and that was where I first learned about her and and her a little bit of her story and over time have done some of my own research. But I'm certain that my research has is nowhere near the research that you have done uh, because clearly this is a goddess, a saint who means so much to you and you've dedicated a lot of your life to really connecting with her and sharing her story.
1: Mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. She's my gal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So can you share a little bit about, well, about your connection with her and how, how you ended up on this path as, as a devotee?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I was raised Catholic Mm -hmm. as many people who love Bridget have been, (laughs) though not all by a long shot. And, um, I left the church, uh, I don't remember when, 70s, probably, when, when I had an argument with the priest about abortion and how unfair it seemed to me. Um, <clears throat> the churches stand on it. But, um, and then I just sort of wandered off and um, had no re- religion for a while, but I felt like a real emptiness in a way, um, because it's one thing to stop believing in God, if you can do that, Mm -hmm. which I managed over many years. Um, But it's another thing to give up all of the rituals of life and the community that go along with the religious path. Um, And so when someone would be sick or dying, or I was going through a personal phase in my life, I had no, no ritual and nothing behind it. And I needed that. So eventually I, I thought, well, uh, what I want is a female god. <laughs> but at that time, I didn't know of any. I mean, I am very, very old. No, not really. <laughs> But But this was before you know, the goddess movement got rolling and that sort of thing. It was actually probably right around the time that it started, but I hadn't heard of it yet. So um, I was in the in the women's movement and an activist and all this sort of thing. So eventually I started to hear about um, books about the goddess and, and so, or goddesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I first got introduced to Inanna and just kind of fell in love with her and um of course all of the poetry i was reading about her was from the ancient texts in um the wolkstein kramer book about her and and i really really do have a fondness for inanna but what i wanted i realized was somebody that i had more of a cultural connection with um because it felt a bit weird for me to be kind of just opting in when I didn't know anything about her culture and I didn't come from that place. Uh-huh. Uh, so it just didn't feel completely right. Um, and then I eventually came across a couple of paragraphs about this Bridget, this Saint Bridget, who was really a goddess and that had this perpetual flame that was put out uh, during the dissolution of the monasteries. And, And I mean, she was Irish and I'm like about half Irish and and, uh, always identified with that. So I just I just started to focus on her and trying to learn more about her, which was very difficult at that time. In our library, we had one book about her, which actually now I realize is amazing that we had that at all. And that was Alice Curtain's book, Bridget of Ireland. Um, and I still think it's a great book. It was written in the 50s. And and then one chapter in Lady Gregory's Book of Saints, I think it was. Um, and that was what I had to build on for quite a few years, actually. So um, that's how we got rolling. <laughs>
0: that's how you met. That's right.
1: <laughs> it was kind of a blind date. <laughs>
0: And yeah. then as you, as you learned more about her, it sounds like it started in kind of her role as a saint. Is that accurate? Um, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> I,
1: well, partly, I mean, the first book, the first mention I saw of her was in a book. Um, I'm blanking on the name, Barbara Walker the encyclopedia women's encyclopedia of something or other. (laughs) (laughs) I used to know these things. It's a great big book and it's got a lot of, uh, any kind of saint or any kind of spirit or any kind of anything that might once have been a goddess. Um, she's got in there. There's a, there's a lot of holes in the research. Uh Um, so it's not a book that I, you know, recommend people go out and and just buy everything she says in it but it was a start for me it was the first time I even heard of her and in that context it was as a goddess who became represented as a saint okay right and but then when I was able to get any kind of further information it was as as a saint and I actually now after many years this is this is a spoiler (laughs) I, I now see them much more separately than I did at that time from the information I was given. Although separate origins kind of becoming really strongly connected now, like not just now, but over the last couple of hundred years or hundred years anyway. Um, so the yeah, Satan and
0: the goddess are, are from separate origins? Yeah, it, that's the way I read it. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that.
1: <clears throat> well, that's the way it looks to me now. Um, obviously, the saint, any saint, in a in a society that has had a lot of goddesses and gods or whatever, everything we see is going to be affected by that worldview, right? So it's yeah. not that she has not got any goddess like attributes. I'm not saying that. Um, but there, there's no reason to assume that they came from this particular goddess or this particular oh. triplicate, triplicate goddess. <laughs> I'd like that in triplicate, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Okay. I seem and so here here is my ignorance, right my my experience of learning about Bridget when I've done my own research has really been that she uh, was a goddess who the Catholic Church turned into a saint and mm-hmm. and that is the story right And so a lot of the attributes that I have read about her having um, as a saint tie into those same attributes um, as the goddess.
1: Mm-hmm. And it sounds like
0: that may not be accurate.
1: I think it's not. But that was my view of her for a very long time. Um, A very long time. And it was very reluctantly that I began to change my view of things, very reluctantly. I mean, I started a group in 1993 called the Daughters of the Flame, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. with the idea that it be mainly pagan, although I've always accepted anybody. I don't, I mean, sorry, sorry, men. Any woman, <laughs> anyone who identifies as a woman, um, no matter what the religion is, uh-huh. I figure if you're drawn to, to tend Bridget's flame, who am I to quarrel with you, you know?
0: Sure.
1: So um, yeah, so we have had Christians and pagans and, and, and pagans. I haven't been aware of people who solely identify as other like a lot of us are also buddhists or you know whatever yeah. i am also buddhist um so yeah but i, I don't think there's anyone who's come in who was just a buddhist and was attracted to her mm-hmm. so the but method- those are important <laughs> yeah yes so i have a feeling you asked a broader question than that and i just answered what half of it is that right
0: well, I think really what I was just saying is that I I had always had this one view of Bridget based on my own research. And it sounds right. like, you know, and this is why I'm glad we're having this conversation because before you and I got on the air, I was saying, I love history and yeah. I love to know the origins of things. And I think it's, I mean, my bias is I think it's really important that we do know the origins of things, especially if we're working with those energies. Mm-hmm. Um or those gods goddesses or saints or you know deities of any sort uh i feel like that's really important and so i feel excited to learn <laughs> to learn this new piece of information and i, I definitely want to know more right. um, so it wasn't really a question as much as just a statement <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah yeah so do you want
1: me to delve into it more or did you want to start in another area first and we can get to that?
0: I would love to hear just a little bit more about, about her origins, if, if that's okay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> not, not a mystery sect. So <laughs> I can divulge everything I know. Ooh, okay, good. <laughs> I can't remember if I said this before or during our interview. Um, so... So if I repeat myself, you can just hold up the sign that says move along, move along (laughs) and I will do that. Um, (laughs) But I guess what it boils down to is um, I have tried and I don't I don't have access to a lot of the um, academic papers that are being written right now, so I can't claim to have written every academic paper written about her, but I've read as many as I can. But more importantly, what I've tried to do um, is to read the original texts and to learn about the folklore. Um, because we kind of got two two streams we've got of information. <clears throat> we've got what was written down in medieval texts. And we've got the folk traditions that have carried on. Um, and so putting the folk traditions aside for a moment, <laughs> although they are in many ways the most important thing, um, <clears throat> if you look at the text, there's a lot of stuff about Saint Bridget, and there's a, only a little, very little, uh, written about the goddess or goddesses. Um, and this, the the text about Saint Bridget start longer ago. Like I think the uh, first mention, and uh, you know I'm, I don't have a psychedelic memory here. I <laughs> know I do have a psychedelic memory. I no longer have a photographic memory, <laughs> but um, I think that the first mention of the goddess is in the ninth century. Okay. Uh, whereas Saint Bridget lived in the 5th and 6th century, and the first uh, life about her or the the first uh, saint's lives, you know what they are, the the medieval uh, monastics would write a life, and it's basically a teaching story that draws on stories from that saint's life, so Mm -hmm. vitae lives. So the first one about her was written maybe a hundred, maybe 150 years after she died. Um, so we're talking like, I don't know, seventh century or something. So it's like a couple of hundred years older than the first writing about the goddess. <clears throat> and But what, more importantly, uh, how old they are doesn't really matter. It's just interesting. So yeah. I'm talking about
0: it. <laughs> I find it interesting too. So I'm glad you're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. But what's in them is so different,
1: you know. The the saint that emerges from the you know the personality of the saint that remer- emerges from the writings about her, is is very different and uh, from the goddesses. The goddesses have particular um, areas of of concern that most of us know about. Like there's the the three sisters who are the matrons or patrons or whatever, of uh, poetry, Smithcraft and healing, um, which are, uh, water is necessary, (laughs) which are um, highly respected, and highly evolved craft, crafts that belong to um, kind of the upper echelons of society, of, of early Irish society. Um, the saint, uh, I mean, if it's a society uh, uh, that, an Iron Age society that uses <laughs> things made from, made by smiths. There is healing, you know, there are all these things. So they will be They will be in any document you read about any saint from that time. Um, But she doesn't have a particular interest in any of those things. There's nothing that I can remember about poetry. I mean, very, very late somebody wrote a poem and attributed it to her that um, the one about the lake of beer that is so lovely um, uh, you know that one i don't know that one but. Okay. well it, i you know i can't i can't uh recite it but it's something like i would like to to have uh, a lake of beer in in heaven or something so that uh jesus and all the other cool guys never run out but i mean it's not about drunkenness as most of us like to think it because at that time uh, a sort of a mild but delicious and we think nutritious (laughs) because we like it um ale was what was commonly uh consumed rather than water because the water was safe so she's she's basically trying to she's very interested in hospitality i'll get to that later on the goddess (laughs) so So you'll see healing stories and stuff that she definitely is interested in in healing and who wasn't in those days um hospitality is a huge thing for her well i'll say it right now there is there are three other Bridgets or brig i think is the name that you will see it under in in the old texts who may or may not have been goddesses um and uh they're all connected to a, um, what was he? I think he was the chief poet of, of Ireland. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not really all of Ireland because Ireland wasn't a one connected unit at that time. They were uh, much smaller territories than that, but um, he was a chief poet and he had a, a, a mother, a wife, and a daughter who all had the same name. Um, and they show up in different stories as, uh, I'm really afraid to say these names because I'm gonna butcher them, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will, I'll, I'll attempt that in a second, but. <laughs> <laughs> but the names kind of drift around. Um, so there's some uh, consideration uh, by which I mean, an appellation like Brig of the Judgments, um, I think, was attached to all three in different texts, right? Um, So there's some wondering whether she was another triple goddess, um, and one of her, (laughs) uh, oh, excuse me, wrong finger, (laughs) one of her (laughs) was was, um, very much connected to hospitality, you know, so there, you can... find a connection there, but I'm not, it's not an obvious, this is a goddess and she is connected to the saint. you know, so it's not clear, but it might be, who knows. Um, but the three that we really know are, <clears throat> are the ones I, oh, here goes the back of my chair again. <laughs> You're gonna have to I have, for the audience, <laughs> I'm testing out a new chair. And every time I stretch upward, the back comes loose and goes down. And I have to readjust it. So. <laughs> so I need not to be too enthusiastic in my gesture. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, I don't know if I finished that, but perhaps I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, i think you were talking about the three uh i think you're about to say something about three more or three three something
1: right uh, they're are just if you read morgan daimler's book about bridget pagan portals bridget um she does a really good job of breaking down what the different texts are where there are references to the goddess or the possible goddess Mm -hmm. And and that is when I discovered, oh my gosh, there's not that many. So there's the the one, Cormac's Glossary, uh, with the three sisters, daughters of the Dagda, mother unknown, um, and not much is said about them. Well, nothing is said about them, except that one is the one they first talk about. And so some of us think maybe she's the central one, is the goddess of poets, you know, that poets adored her, right? And that doesn't mean all poets adored her. She wasn't the chief poet deity, right? but she was one. And um, then she has two sisters and one is patron of smiths and the other is patron of healers. So that's really all that's said about them. But there's actually a lot in those, three tiny lines right yeah. that you you can mine a lot from just that right um and then there is the the three that i talked about whose names i'm afraid to say and one is uh well i i can say her name um brig ambway i believe is how it's called she's uh, that ambway means um I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, actually, I, but it means cowless, literally, and it's it's an, a term that was applied to the Fianna. You know the Fianna? I do not. Well, they were um, a, a band or bands of warriors who were young they didn't yet have their own land and, and cows, you know, they didn't have their own because cows were the major, um, monetary currency. Currency. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't have their own land. And at certain times of the year, they wandered around uh, living off of the land hunting and whatnot, kind of almost outlaws, but in another way, they weren't outlaws because they were actually protecting the boundaries for the king right so she has the same appellation cowless. so does that just mean she's young you know and doesn't have any of her own property um i don't know what it means um but there's that so you can you can start going crazy on that one too that you can get a lot out of that and then there's brig of the judgments um, and as i said that term has been applied to all three at different places but um there is one particular story where this brig and i think it was the wife of i'm not saying his name because there are three different ways to say it and i'm mixing them up in my head but the chief poet (laughs) um he had made a judgment about women and we're talking again about you wouldn't call them the gentry but the the nobles, you know, the the moneyed layer of society. Um, he had made a judgment about women's right to their own property. I think in a, I think in a situation of divorce. I can't remember exactly what it was, but anyway, he judged poorly. And if you judge wrong, um, the deities are not cool with that especially the sovereign goddess is not cool with that so she actually corrected his judgment on that and she judged i i think it was she made a judgment that in in a case of divorce women could keep their the property that they came into the marriage with i think that was it but anyway when she did that that sort of restored the balance the you know the kind of right relationship um to the land and and the tribe if i'm remembering it correctly and what was the third one hmm oh the one that actually launched me on this uh, which is brig hospitaller yeah Uh yeah um and then there's another story in uh lower gola Aaron i think hmm no i shouldn't say that there's another story somewhere in the text (laughs) about a a brig or a bridget and it doesn't say if this is yet another one because this could have been a title it could have just been a name but it's there's it comes up Mm -hmm. a lot of people have that name and you can't really assume that they're all the same person or they're all the same deity or whatever so so there's another brig which we tend to grab into our goddess fold because she's very cool and she also looks goddessy. Anyway, she 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 um she could be uh the poet. Unclear, but she she could be because of something I'll tell you in a second. So she shows up in in um in a text where she is in the company of uh, she possesses, I believe. Um the king of the rams, the king of the, no, two kings of oxen, or oxen, cattle, whatever, and a king of the swine. Huh. Um, and also, sort of in their company, a somehow unclear relationship, there are. Um, I think three I can't remember I think three demonic voices uh, when there is transgression so like transgression uh, upon the land Uh kind of like the error that um, I'll just try it Shanahan made um, around women's right to possess their their goods Uh Um, so transgressions of that kind, bad leadership, a king that's rotten to the core, whatever. Um, these three demonic voices cry out. And I think that's also where it says she's also the uh, the one who developed and <laughs> not developed, created had um, a whistle for uh, for a a whistle in the night, right, so uh, which I take to mean if you've got some some something happening in the night, maybe you're going on a cattle raid or whatever uh-huh. you can use this whistle to communicate with others, okay, I think that's what it means um Mary Condren uh called it um a whistle she invented basically a a whistle a rape whistle but I don't see anything in the actual writing that has that says anything about rape so I'm not sure what other information she might have had I I I just read it as a a way of communication so she's got these vocalizations the reason I keep giving air quotes to the word demon is that um in the in the monastic writings uh when they would be telling tales and and they they liked what was happening they could support it in a sort of christian context it tended to be i don't know angels or just good guys right um but if there was something going on that didn't fit into their worldview, uh they would call it demonic uh-huh. where that wouldn't necessarily have been how uh the previous worldview would have conceived of it so the word demon might and actually I don't know if that was necessarily just the the medieval writers or if it was the later translators I'm not totally sure about that but anyway just don't take the word demon too seriously because who knows what exactly that meant
0: right
1: elementals of some sort who knows um and so so that that person is really interesting to me because of her connection to to sovereignty right mm-hmm. um i mean the land will rebel if there's um a bad king and so those those uh, cries out against transgression mm-hmm. fit in with that but also she possesses or has at least in her company four sovereigns of their own lineages, right? So, so that's how I read her. And I think it was Morgan again who suggested that she may be uh, the patron of poets because of all of the vocalization in there. Oh, okay. So, so that's basically what we have about the goddess. Nothing there about spring. right nothing about in or cattle or lambs or dairy like all of those things are the god are the saints Aha! Uh-huh. the way i read it those all come from the, the saint stories and folklore okay. folk practices when we say folklore we <laughs> you sound like a big academic when <laughs> the, the word folklore doesn't just mean um stories which is how i always used to understand it like folklore was folk stories but it's not just that it's also the traditions of you know the crafts and all of the things the practice Uh,
0: yeah the practices Yeah. yeah so i find myself as i'm as i'm listening to you tell this these stories about you know kind of the origins uh or the origin stories where all of this information about bridget came from what i'm not hearing is water and flame And so (laughs) much of what we hear about Bridget in, you know, the goddess Bridget is about her, you know, holy water and sacred flame. And I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Well,
1: (sighs) that all seems to come from the saint, right? Oh, okay. There are many, many holy wells in Ireland and a lot of them are connected to Bridget, Saint Bridget. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> and the fire is also connected to the saint but it doesn't come about until we don't hear anything about it in fact the only thing we ever hear about it <laughs> is written down at the very end of the 12th century so like 1185 or 1186 or something um geraldus cambrensis who was a a cleric a monastic <clears throat> from Wales, um, came over with the future King John uh, after Ireland had been successfully invaded and they did a trip around. I I don't know exactly why, but they did a trip around and he wrote two books um, called The Topography of Ireland and The Conquest of Ireland, which were basically things about why it was great that they'd gone over and invaded, <laughs> and he doesn't say a lot flattering about the Irish, but he does really respect the sisters at Saint uh, at, uh, Kildare, um, <laughs> and he talks about this fire that they're tending, a perpetual flame, and um, that everything we know about that flame comes from his writing that 19 nuns tend it, and that on the 20th day, it's tended by St. Bridget herself, who is obviously long since deceased, but she's in heaven, so she can, she can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but there's no mention at all of uh, sacred flames, perpetual flames, anything like that, in any of the early stories, including The First Life, which was written by Cogitosis, who we think was a we, we academics. (laughs) Sure. Just so you know my credentials. (laughs) (laughs) It is believed (laughs) that he was a monk at Kildare, but, like I say, about a century or so after she died. Um, And he describes the church in quite a lot of detail. He describes the city of Kildare. He makes it sound a lot bigger than it probably was, Uh I think, um, because there was, uh, no, it doesn't matter. But anyway, um, there's no mention of anything like that. He describes... The, the women come in one door, the men come in another door. There's a um, partition. There's uh, St. Richard on one side and, and uh, what's his name, Conleth, on the other side, both of whom are dead. He was their bishop. You know, all of this stuff, that's pretty intricate detail as far as I'm concerned. It's more than I see in most of those writings they they're not usually talking about the setting right they're talking about actions that things that happened um not what kind of draperies on the wall <laughs> right okay we didn't mention the draperies but anyway um but i think if she had tended a, a perpetual flame and that that was a part of the order as as camp Francis says from her time onward it would have been mentioned uh-huh right um so and there are a lot of different lives and hymns and masses and prayers and whatnot devoted to st bridget over the intervening years and none of them mention this fire huh. however at the time that he observed it in the late 12th century there were also perpetual flames being tended at other monasteries in Ireland,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think s- seven are known,
0: um,
1: and they were all tended by
0: men. Okay, so this was the only one that's on record as being tended by women
1: that I know of. Uh-huh. Uh
0: huh. But I think what we're
1: seeing here, we <laughs> yes, <laughs> how do we I fall into
0: this way of talking? It's I don't so- know. It's great.
1: Go with <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> What what I think we're seeing is is a Christian, Irish Christian tradition, or not tradition at that point maybe, but expression, something that was happening in the monasteries in Ireland at that time, and men did it, women did it, educated fleas did it, (laughs) sorry. OK, OK, you <clears throat> <Be> see, <serious. laughs> you know, like, just like today, you might go to a monastery and they might lead a meditation that would sound to your ears very like something that you'd hear in a Buddhist setting or, uh, you know, we have things that we pick up and that we do, Um that aren't necessarily ancient in origins, or at least not in our origins, you know, new things can happen. And also those flames were were not just uh, a ritual thing. They were also what householders would relight their flames from, their hearth flames, if they went out for some reason or other, and, and that sort of thing. So they had a practical use in the community, they they weren't just uh, something behind a hedge that would wither men's legs if they tried to get in there, as yeah. Cam
0: tells us. <laughs> <But> <laughs> well, right, the things that are practical in nature. So this is, this feels to me like that leap between, not leap, but bridge, I guess, between um, sort of that, that more religious saint piece, and then more of the um, like just lay people, there's that bridge between relying on these monasteries for something like flame, Mm -hmm. which is necessary for survival. And then because of that, it also, it it gets elevated, you know, things that we need for survival in my mind end up becoming elevated. And so the tenders of the flame would then become elevated. Now, I don't know if that's accurate or not. That's just, as you're speaking, that's what's landing in me. Mm -hmm. Um, of, of fe- feeling like there's that bridge between uh, saint and goddess in folk tradition. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. It just did in my body as you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> <It>
1: sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think these people in the community already had a lot of power, right? Yeah. Uh, the monasteries. had. Sure. At, I mean, and by the 12th century, yeah, that's Ireland was mostly...
0: And
1: now we're really wandering into territory about which I know very little <laughs> so, so don't let me get away with too much but but I mean when Saint Bridget was alive at the time just bridge um, that was she was born in like the mid-fifth century and lived 70 or so years. Um, Ireland was mostly not Christian at that time. <clears throat> uh, there, there had been Christians living there, you know, for some while, but they were they were not in religious communities. You know, she was one of the first um, people to s- start building communities. Prior to that, if you wanted to give yourself over as a, a religious person, like as a Nanga, I don't know what they call themselves, a koilich is one name, I think, um, uh, if you wanted to do that, you'd still live with your family, right? Um, so Christianity in Ireland was um, not large and not really organized. It was certainly, and didn't even become diocese until much, much later um, Yeah, but by the time uh, that Hambrensis was there and the nuns were tending that flame in Kildare, uh, those people would have had a lot of of clout in the community because they'd be this large organism, you know, that there's smithcraft, there's, you know, there's a lot going on there. Um, A lot of people would have worked for them. I don't know. uh, I don't know how it would have worked, but I think they already would have been
0: Um, empowering
1: big um, mucky mucks (laughs) (laughs) or at least the abbess and you know and whatnot would have so I don't know but I've never heard of a folk tradition of tending the flame Mm. right but there is a huge folk tradition of tending wells you know uh, if you had a well on your land and and I shouldn't even just speak in past tense because there are still families who are tending the wells on their land. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you make sure that it's in good nook nick. You know you make sure people have access to it. You um, you make offerings there. You just you just make sure it doesn't. It's not forgotten, mm-hmm. right? A lot of them have been forgotten now, but um, a lot of them are still being tended. And that's, that's a massive folk tradition.
0: Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, I think I have, I have read stories of um, fire keepers, but I don't know the origins of those. And I, I, I can't reference it in my brain in this moment. I just have this vision <laughs> <laughs> having read something at some point about people tending flame uh, and keeping it going for the community. And that's what I thought of when you were talking about monasteries. Oh, okay. But um But again, well, that's, I don't know where that's coming from. It's just somewhere in the files of my brain, which mm-hmm. I've read way too much in my life that I just couldn't tell you where that came from.
1: Uh, <laughs> but I love and it sounds totally reasonable to me that there would be people like that right right if if you didn't have a monastery i mean there is a monastery next door to everybody you know you're you're not going to walk 20 miles hopefully to get you so but i i don't know anything about that
0: yeah yeah i I do i clearly don't either (laughs) (laughs) but you read it so you're i read it somewhere Uh, you know but anyway but i love this vision I, i i have seen images of um of springs and wells that have been tended to and uh cared for and I was even thinking about even here in the states I know of a couple places uh where there are like these artesian wells that communities hold to gather water and uh and there are people who care for those and so it's that same idea you know water's life it's Mm -hmm. it's really powerful yeah 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 Yeah.
1: and I just want to say that (laughs) just because i'm saying that i think the origins of the flame tending um you know the brigidine flame tending is christian doesn't mean i think it's not valid for us as pagans mm-hmm. you know i i'm not going to stop tending the flame until they make me <laughs> 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 the dissolution of male Brigda's home. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's 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 such an important practice and it has so much of value. But mm-hmm. I don't care whether it came from an ancient, I mean, obviously I care whether because I like to know, yeah. um, but I don't care that it didn't come from an ancient pagan practice. I, I don't mind that it came from a, a Christian Catholic practice at all i think it's cool i mean saint bridget was a christian and i like her <laughs> right. a lot you know? right so why would i mind um yeah so this isn't me saying we should all give up the flame and tend water instead although i do think t- the the well or water spring water whatever your local river i think that's an amazing practice mm mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that just made me think. My husband is really involved in um, in cleaning up the creeks here in our town, and I just thought of that as a way of tending. You know, another just another way to tend water and care for water in that way. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's Good beautiful way. and important. <clears throat> so, you know, water's life. The extent of my
1: well tending is that I have numerous places in the yard where birds can bathe and. Squirrels can have a sip and insects can drink without drowning and stuff like that. I have several of those. And one of them, in the wintertime, I put a uh, bird bath warmer in it oh. so that there's always <clears throat> some water that water. they can drink. Because when everything is frozen, birds can't drink right. ice. They can't eat snow. They need... So that's my... My well-tending.
0: <laughs> I love it. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wanted to kind of loop this back to you. So we've learned a lot about sort of the origins of Bridget, And I want I wondered if you could talk a little bit about Daughters of the Flame and what that is. Um, yeah. What that is. Okay. <laughs> well,
1: that going back to that very first thing that I read, women's encyclopedia of myths and secrets that's what it was called (laughs) (sighs) I could see the book right um well that was when I learned about the flame being extinguished and honestly it wouldn't have mattered to me whether it was a pagan flame or a catholic nuns flame it was a beautiful practice actually I I can't speak for myself (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at that time in my life because probably it did mean more of a uh, than it was a pagan flame but um, for me now I still feel outraged that it was that it was um, extinguished not once but twice um, mm-hmm. by the bishop in Dublin or somebody like that said put it out um, because I still have um, my dander in a up. My dander is up. <laughs> I don't have my dander in a knot, <laughs> and my fingers are not up. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, um, I'm still upset, uh, as I was then, about the dissolution of the, of the monasteries. I mean, all of the stuff that went on between Catholics and Protestants, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is heartbreaking, and
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: but that's me wandering on to another thing.
0: And I'm glad you're here to keep raining me back. (laughs) Daughters of the Flame. flame. So, so from that, from that, you know, upset (laughs) around that happening and from your devotion to Bridget, it sounds like that's where this idea of Daughters of the Flame was born.
1: Yeah. So it percolated for a long time that, I just was upset that that had happened. And I thought that we needed her flame in the world again. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I thought we need this thing. We need this devotion to her. We need to be tending her flame. But what happened was I just got to a point in my life where I felt like I had a little bit of energy, a little bit of creative time available. And I wanted to do something to be of service to her. Mm-hmm. and um so I thought about different things I don't remember what they were now but uh, the one I settled on as being doable <laughs> I could do this um was was starting a, a flame tending group mm-hmm. and, uh, so I <laughs> inducted a bunch of my friends yeah. <laughs> some of a very small number of whom actually knew who she was, but the rest were persuaded by my my passion. <laughs> well, we weren't nineteen at the beginning. I forget how many we were. <clears throat> I wanted to get to that number, mm-hmm. but it took a while. I mean, this is pre-internet, mm-hmm. and uh, if there were pagan magazines, I certainly didn't know about them. Um, I guess my contacts probably I we used to go to the Spring Mysteries Festival down in um, Washington <clears throat> just a few times but I made friends oh oh also through Pagan Appa I used to belong to an Appa in which I met this lovely young woman whose name is Erin Rowan Laurie and So I met her at the um, Spring Mystery Festivals as well and got to be friends with her. And through her, because she really was connected to the bacon community, living in Seattle and Mm -hmm. everything. um, Through her, I did get to connect with other people to whom Bridget was important. And somehow or other, uh, Margot Adler heard of us. I don't know how. And so we showed up in... The back of drawing down the moon for a few years or a few, what do you call it? Revi- Revisions. That's not the word, but yeah, we know what.
0: Additions. That's the yes, word. that is the word. Additions. <laughs> I, knew, I knew what you meant. <laughs> And we had the sound, we just didn't have all the letters lined up.
1: (laughs) So that was, that was what really got it uh, started getting people who were interested in her um, connecting and, and, uh, and we just sort of grew from there. Yeah. Daughters of the Flame has had a huge impact on my life. I mean, because I know I, I have, as an activist, I have been in uh, what do you call them? Collectives. Uh-huh. And I know how irritating and, and distracting and distressful they can be. And so I decided at the very start that I was going to just run the show, that it was not going to be a big show. It was just going to be us tending our flames. But I, I didn't want to have to get into debates with people who hadn't the investment that I had in it. I mean, there's no one else who has been in the Daughters of the Flame throughout its existence, besides Bridget and me, right? Uh Uh, And since I knew that I was going to be the one who was going to be having to do the work, I wanted to be able to make the decisions um, be things that I personally could live with. So part of me always felt guilty about that (laughs) because I did have that collective past. Um, And I I mean, I just said terrible things about collectives and I I don't actually think that they're bad things. I think they're great things, but I've had, um, you know, a chronic illness for many, many years. I have a lot of fatigue. I don't have the energy to do the kind of processing that's necessary for a, a collective to work, I just don't.
0: And uh, I want to interrupt you and just say, I totally hear what you're saying. And I think the word is complicated. <laughs> a collective is complicated because there's a lot yeah. of different energies coming in and it does require a lot of focus. So yeah. that's really what I hear you saying in that. Not that they're yeah. bad, but just that no. it's complicated and it's a choice to be a part of one and it's a commitment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, yeah, I, I wasn't able to do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I had already left all the collectives that I was in. And <laughs> I just didn't have it in me to Cause they can also lead to some, some such, so painful. Um, uh, things that can drag on for a really long time. And it's not that we, it's not that I've never experienced that in the daughters of flame, but it's been limited because people understood that uh, I was making the very few decisions there were to make. You know? <clears throat> yeah, but it has shaped my way, my life a lot because I've had to continue asking, asking myself, well, in the early days, I had to ask myself, do I want to continue this for another year? You know, like, because originally I was thinking if I could do this for three years, that would be a great gift to her, you know? If I could do it for nine years, it would be amazing. But I'm just aiming for three, right? And and once three years had passed, and you know, it it was a lot of work in some ways, and I did get some crap. (laughs) And and I had that energy problem. And also I've always had a a, a difficulty just committing to one group or another and you know we can lead this back to my childhood where we moved so much but (laughs) it doesn't really matter i just you know tend to i have tended in the past i don't anymore to kind of float between um communities because i never really felt like i totally belonged Mm -hmm. anywhere and so i had to having the daughters of the flame made me deal with that stuff. It made me consciously decide year after year, do I actually want to keep doing this? Do I want to put an end to it? Do I want to give it to somebody else? Is there anyone else who would do it? (laughs) And, um, I'm happy to say that every year I I decided, no, no, I actually I this is actually good for me. So I do a a newsletter at the end of every year, which is a huge job because I made it one um, because I wanted it to be really good. And it was hard work, but it was it was really, really rewarding, you know, so you're glancing down at something. Are you looking at the time?
0: Actually, I was just muting myself because my cat is yowling at the door. I was trying not to interrupt.
1: Uh, (laughs) I I was thinking, is she getting the shepherd's hook out?
0: (laughs) No, I was just trying to hit the mute button accurately. Uh, (laughs) Got it. I'm switching Um, cups now. But I did want to come to what what you were just saying about... um, about writing a newsletter because, you know, because you, you said that it's a big deal because I made it one, but you've devoted a lot of time and energy to writing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's originally how I found you was through your publisher and through this book that's coming out. Oh. Um, that's how I first heard about you. And uh, and it also sounds like you have two blogs and now to be honest I haven't explored the blogs in depth but I my understanding is is that one of them is really d- like po- poetry based while the mm-hmm. other one is really about inf- more informational about Bridget is yeah. that accurate
1: yeah the first one is uh c- kind of like a newsletter you know if yeah. if I think of something that i desperately want to say about her which doesn't happen very often then I will write it in there but mostly it's if I come across an event that's going on or you know somebody who's doing something cool around Bridget or a book Mm -hmm. I review a lot of books um Bridget connected books and things like that although in the last few years as I'm working on my book I've done less reviewing but um yeah, so it's all that kind of thing, like a general interest, but only very specific general uh-huh. interest, <laughs> right? Like, well, even find Bridget socks in there. <laughs> so, uh, I I don't, and this is another thing about it is, I do have boundaries, you know, um, but I don't just put things in that I believe I agree with, you know, I. I give the stamp of approval to what this person is doing. I, I don't do that. I just have tried to make it available to people. Um, but the other one, so I started that one, I forget, 2007 or something. I can't remember. Uh, um, and then the other one is maybe 2015. And I I don't like sending out things for as for... Um, Anthologies and magazines and stuff. I've done it a little bit, but not a lot. And people were really not interested in my Bridget poetry. I wanted to be able to share it with people a bit, so I started this blog. And over time, um, as I've encountered other people's Bridget poetry, I've been including that in it as well. And there's some of the older stuff. So yeah, it's just a space for people who want to um, groove on poems, prayers, <laughs> the odd charm, yeah.
0: <laughs> and so, uh, you know, there's two big places of writing and then you have the book. Can you talk a little, just a little bit about your book? So, um, you know, if people are curious and want to check it out, you know, they know what they're seeking. hmm
1: yeah, and I, I will flash it in front of the screen and there it is. Oh, that was almost like a cover reveal. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's so oh, exciting. I remember, this isn't video. It's is not, but mom. I get to see it. <laughs> I just flashed the book in front of the screen. Um, um, what can I say? I've spent uh, a decade or more working on this book. At first, I didn't realize I was working on this book. Um, I had already written a few poems and prayers to her because I didn't have anybody else's so I had to write them and that's actually a big impetus for this book is that I wanted to have this book I wanted to have a, a book I could turn to that would assist me in my contemplation of Bridget really you know um, <clears throat> so and I, that is not to say I don't like books that are out about her they just don't serve that purpose for me right um but when, when i was uh, diagnosed with cancer it scared the heck out of me and i in 2011 i then started really intensely writing prayers please help me basically to her and somehow that evolved over the following year into just writing i wrote i think about 250 poems or something in that first year maybe not quite that many in the first year everything i read about her uh, everything i explored that made me think of her i just wrote a poem about it and so there's what you find in the poems is it's not just my journey there's some of that but i would say the majority of it is um is the many different perspectives of her that I've gleaned through my reading, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and when I decided it was gonna be a book, I, I chose to go with poetry because that was the only way I could think of to <clears throat> approach all of those different aspects of her with the same, Um, intensity of gaze, I guess. If I was going to write a novel with her as a character, I would have to choose how she would be, you know? But in in this, I can look at her from different perspectives. Some of them, I have blended the goddess and saint together because that was how I received her and that was how I knew her for a long time. Um, Some of them are clearly about... You know, the goddess materials, some are clearly about the saint materials that I've uncovered. But I think they're all, oh, there might be the odd one that's a bit silly. I can't remember. <laughs> I've certainly written the odd one, but not all of my poems got into the book, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, but most of them, the vast majority, are connected on some emotional level, you know, to her and to to. Um, some way of looking into her or looking into the, the devotion, the practice and the importance in my own life and in other people's lives as well. I just, you know, I think when I first encountered her, I, I thought, this is amazing. I love her. You know, I will spend some time with her and then I'll move on. You know, I'll find some other deity um, that I want to explore. And the same thing happened when I decided to explore my heritage. And I started with the Irish and I never got past it. (laughs) So um, she just has endless fruit. You know, they're just it. I have never found anything in my life that I couldn't in some way uh, gravitate to her with you know that she wouldn't have something to say on it if you know what I mean um so I'm not I'm not somebody who has uh heart to heart well I I have heart to heart talks but I'm doing all the talking I'm not somebody who has visions or hears voices or you know has uh, um that kind of I never have received wisdom it's all what I can find and what comes out of my conversations or it's just sitting with her or whatever I know some people a lot of people seem to have a more um dynamic kind of relationship where they they say Bridget told me to do this or Bridget pushed me into that I've never had that um kind of experience um but Bridget has certainly been with me every step of the way mm-hmm.
0: Well, we all receive information differently, right? And we all, yeah. it's the same thing about relationships. We all do relationships differently. Mm-hmm. And and so the way we connect with, we might all connect with people, but we're all going to do that, come at that from a different angle. It means mm-hmm. something different to each of us.
1: Yeah. And, and for a long time, I felt bad that I, you know, I'm kind of waiting for that sort of, you know, like, ah! <laughs> 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 and feeling like I was failing, you know, it as a, spiritual person in not getting them and finally I I just said to accept what you've just said like everybody's different Um, I'm I'm a one foot in front of the other person Mm -hmm. that's okay
0: Well, and I think that's a really important thing for people to hear just is that it's not, we're not all going to get messages in the same way. We're not all going to connect with each other or with deity or, you know, whatever it might be in the same way, but it doesn't mean that we're any less connected. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's really the like nugget there that I'm taking away. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I may have my strong opinions about, about the lore and the origins and all of that sort of thing. But that doesn't mean that I think that someone who has a totally opposite take on it is, has any less valid a relationship that I don't think that, you know,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for taking all this time to be with us today and to share so much information about Bridget and about your own experience with her, uh, as well as the work that you're doing to not only connect with her for yourself, but the way that you're bringing her into the world for other people to connect Mm -hmm. with as well, which there's just, that's really powerful. and I know I checked out your website, and so I'm going to go ahead and put that into the description of this podcast and then uh, into the show notes over on my website so that people who want to come and check out, you know, all, all of your offerings, your blogs, your book. Uh, also, I noticed you offer some classes so, mm-hmm. you know, that people can connect with you in that way. Great. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Do you want to say the name of your, of your, website? Again, I'll put it in the notes, but just so people can hear it for those that are audible learners.
1: Hmm. I think it's just called a Bridget of Ireland devotional, but. Your fine. website? The website. I don't know. Right. I started it for the book, but then I started thinking, well, why don't I add my classes and stuff there too? So.
0: Oh. Who so knows new-ish. what it's
1: called? <laughs> kind of new. <laughs> yeah and and on the the bottom of the the home page there are also different ways you connect can connect with me like instagram and facebook and twitter excellent yeah wonderful well this was really fun i i enjoyed talking to you thank Thank you
0: very much. yeah i enjoyed having you (laughs) take care
1: you too bye-bye
0: Thanks so much for listening to witch next door. If you like what you hear, you can click the anchor support link in the description of this podcast. And if you want to help other people like you find us, you can do that by you can rate us, you can review us or you can subscribe. Right. Yeah. And you could do all those things. You could just <laughs> click the little stars, you know, and give us like some gold stars and a little comment. Yeah. How was this for you? You know, whatever. Love it. I totally love it. It, That way people who are checking out podcasts will be like, hmm, that Veronica and Emily sound like an interesting listen. I think I'll pop over there or wow, they're off the hook. We'll go listen to them. Those people can't stop laughing. (laughs) There must be something good here. I could use a good laugh. Anyway, so do that, please. Please. We'd appreciate it. It does help other people find our podcast. And, uh, and then we also really love to hear from you. So if you have feedback, that's another way to get it to us. Uh, you can also always write us at wisewomanwitchery at sonic.net. Thank you for joining us on The Witch Next Door.